Hey, podcast peeps, you're back in the room. We've got another episode for you. I am in sunny Manhattan. It was the hottest day of the year yesterday, and I hear it's quite roasty over there in Denmark, George. You're absolutely right, Steve. It was it was a sweltering 29 degrees in in northern Europe. So, uh, yeah, a roaster. How do you feel about this where I'm just popping up in different places each episode? Does it, <laughs> does it feel like I'm a sort of glamorous nomadic figure or someone who just doesn't have a, <laughs> or a man who just doesn't have a flat right now yeah just uh just like living a, a hobo with your bindle <laughs> living off the kindness of strangers yeah. um uh well we have got a delightful episode for you today because we're going to talk about the idea of being crap at something Sucking at something, being a boob, <laughs> embarrassing yourself. Um, we want to talk about this a concept that has been raised by my friend and publisher, Karen Rinaldi, who I was meeting with the other week. And she has brought out a book that's very interesting, and it's called It's Great to Suck at Something. And uh, she... You know, she's a publisher, but she's kind of dabbled. She's written a novel before. Um, I think this is her first nonfiction book. And is it she, new? It's just recently published, is it? Yeah, yeah, in the last, like, month or two. And uh, and it's kind of her personal story in a lot of ways where she is quite raw and vulnerable, but she tells a story. By the way, George doesn't know much about this book, which is why I wanted to bring this in today. And since we're borrowing Karen's ideas you know, I'm giving her book a lovely plug. So chapter one, page one, <laughs> an audio book yeah. that we immediately get sued for. Um, yeah. So it's called, it's great to suck at something by Karen Rinaldi. Um, and, uh, just want to talk about some of the ideas in it. And she basically tells a story of her life surfing and she took up surfing relatively late in life, but she developed a really strong, fervent passion for it. And, uh, and yeah, she basically was learning to surf and found it extremely difficult and was making mistakes constantly, being embarrassing in front of other more experienced surfers. And she's done it for years and she basically has tells the story how she actually hasn't got, she's still not a good surfer after many years, but she loves it. She loves being in the water. She loves the you know, kind of Zen state you get in when you're surfing, exhausting herself, paddling out, trying to catch a wave. She, she can, you know, she says she can sort of catch waves is her words. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and, and the whole thesis of this book is the idea that sucking at something is not such a terrible thing. We all instinctively run away from the things in life that we're bad at and, there's kind of an idea of, well, focus on your strengths, double down your strengths. And I completely do believe that, you know, this book was kind of a counterpoint to a lot of what I generally thought, which is you should double down, triple down on the things you're good at. And that may be good career advice, but the interesting thing is, are we leaving something on the table when we just completely ignore something because we're bad at it? and we're afraid of how we're going to look. Um, George, do you do anything particularly? Do you have any hobbies that you do think you're bad at, but you enjoy anyway? Because this is a tricky thing, right? You tend to enjoy the things you are good at. So do you think it's possible to enjoy something you're bad at? Well, it's, uh, as you were talking there, I was kind of thinking about how, well, when you said, you know, maybe you should be worried, you'd be embarrassed at, the level of her ability to surf or whatever. It's like this external um, kind of value judgments that you're placing on it. It's not something I like, I really go for that much. So um, I mean, it's relative, right? Like, so I, I just played football soccer earlier, like relatively I'm a pretty good footballer. If I'm playing with my peers, if I was playing with, you know, David Beckham or whatever, I'd be absolutely diabolically atrocious. So it's kind of relative. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I suck completely. If I'm playing with kind of similar people that I've sought out, I can have like a really fun competitive match. Um, the idea of the embarrassment thing there, 
I, I, I find kind of hard. I don't know what circumstance, like her being bad at surfing or me being relatively poor at football would be embarrassing, right? Because I'm, I'm not a professional athlete, so there's no expectation that I should operate at that standard. But conversely, if you were also a really good athlete and you make a bit of a boob of yourself, people know you can do better. So it's kind of only only in very specific circumstances, I think, that a kind of hobby or pastime could lead to real embarrassment. I don't, I don't think that's something you should be worried about necessarily. Um, if maybe something's at stake with it, like, like playing a team sport and you've entered a competition and you make a mess of something and you let other people down, that could potentially be embarrassing, but you probably wouldn't be in that scenario if you like, like absolutely sucked, you know? Um, I, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of sort of imposed external value judgment on this kind of thing. Like if you enjoy doing something, just do it and do it in, do it in like the relative conditions that are going to allow your level of suckiness to not kind of, hamper what you do i mean i'm sure she's not entering like professional surf competitions right no um no that's fair and i guess it does depend on your ends in some way as to mm. why you do something and you know i guess i guess for me you know you you mentioned soccer george football for the europeans i guess out there but you know I am bad at football <laughs> i find it quite embarrassing and you'll know even from school my we'd play football at lunchtime recess for you Americans and we would you know I I was sort of almost styled myself as a purposely sort of clownish mascot figure Um, (laughs) I would I would play and would enjoy at the time but I also had to almost part of my sort of like styling it out is like I'm not very good is sort of to almost make fun of myself as i'm yeah, doing sure i think, I was, I, think of, I was sort of poaching easy goals by hanging near the goal yeah sort of just doing a few big runs here and there take and and you know occasionally it's like oh my god steve actually pulled off something but you're doing that's that a, that's kind of interesting right because you are you're playing football there because of the external circumstances like you don't probably don't have a choice to not play like if the group of mates at school are going to play you sort of have to and then dare I say there might be girls watching, you know, you need to put on some level of performative show of your ability to play something that if you had a completely free pass to choose, you wouldn't be doing. So I guess, yeah, that's, that's quite different to her, you know, the author of this book choosing to go out and surf on a morning when she, when she wants to, just because she loves it. You don't really, I don't think get a buzz from playing football. It's like an imposed a sort of imposition that you have to go through and any like, potential embarrassment or suffering from it is because you've kind of been coerced, I guess. Yeah, I guess I had to do it because so many people were doing it as is the way in school often. <laughs> I better get involved or I'm just going to be on the sideline being the guy who doesn't play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, you know, as I, got- so I think in, hind- in hi- hindsight, like hearing you say that actually, that's, that's the worst thing you can do is just not get involved. I think if you can kind of own the fact that, well, you know, what do you expect? I'm not going to be good, but I'll give it a go if you want me to is worth so much more than I'm not doing it. But it's so painful. I mean, I used to, you know, one, one bit, I guess that this is where the distinction between it being for fun and for competitive reasons comes in. But when I was, we talked before when I was just, blindly recruited to the rugby team on yeah. no other criteria than you're big a big lump you're a big lump yeah. um come and play and the coach had no thought of is he at all athletic or has any dexterity capability the answer was no, no. and uh, and uh, so it was like highly embarrassing i stuck it out for longer than i should but we were playing actual games against other schools and it was pretty Looking back now, pretty humiliating that I was just not good at that sport. But I, but I guess the truth is I hated it. Now, did I hate it because I was bad or did I just not enjoy it and so I didn't put any work into getting better? I yeah. don't know the answer to that. But there's the, there's the rub and the paradox for me in this is because I could see with something that doesn't matter, say it's karaoke. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm doing karaoke 
and say I go to Japan and everyone's doing karaoke and there's a kind of idea there that it doesn't really, you just do it. There's not a lot of like, who's the good singer here. Um, I think in actually in places like the States or something, it's more embarrassing if you're bad at it, you don't do it sort of thing a bit, but like, there's a, like, it depends. It depends on the mood, but there's a bit more of like, I'm going to be embarrassed by this. And in Japan, it's a bit like, you just do the karaoke, you sing a song. Um, but you don't care that you're not a great singer in that moment because it's just part of the enjoy, the joy of doing it and singing your favorite song. And that is fun, but there's almost no stakes in it. And I wonder the, if stakes is it. I think different. The, the, sta- the stakes with the sort of football at school or rugby at school are, imposed on you by other people right the teachers picked you because you're one of a few people who fits the physical profile he needs you're 14 and can't say no to an adult so you're kind of coerced it's not a choice something like karaoke i mean it's seeing someone like mess up a song terribly on american idol because they've got delusions of grandeur that's kind of embarrassing because they've got right. a you know, an idea of what they should be or what they think they are. And then it kind of comes crashing down in the most pathetic public way. Yeah, But that's because of the gap between what they believe about themselves. And what exactly. So that, that's it for me. It's like, if I go and do karaoke, I cannot sing. I'm completely tone deaf. I'm a bit deaf as well. It, it's diabolical, but I don't, I don't really care because I don't have any, it, I like, I like music. So I suppose I like belting out a song. I'm mindful that people probably don't want to hear me doing it, but so what it's i think it's if something's at stake and you've chosen to set the stakes that affects whether doing something that you're bad at is valid or not because it might have repercussions but if you're just doing something with nothing of consequence behind it like it would be embarrassing if yeah like a a big singer said i'll do karaoke and it turns out he's always been auto-tuned and everyone finds out that might be embarrassing but he's got a career at stake right so I think doing things you're bad at, if it's fun, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess, I think that's true with certain things. I definitely think it's the, it's the things that are hard about it are the embarrassment, the, I mean, I mean, for some people like singing and being bad at it, even if there aren't stakes is absolutely terrifying, right? It's like if someone had to, get up and speak in front of a, in a party or something. Some people, for some people that would be like borderline, like shaking. But the room presumably crying. they've not chosen to do it. Right. If it's been, in, if it's been imposed on you, it's, I think a very different thing. That's what I'm saying. Like if I don't know, Oh, this person, you need to speak at my wedding and, and give a great speech to 150 people in the room you might never have chosen to do that. And it's suddenly they're, they're really on the spot. But, you know, if someone said, I'd love to speak at your wedding, I want to do it. They're not, they're not going to be embarrassed. Right. So it's, I think it's different. There's doing something you're bad at that you don't want to do is very different to doing something that on the grand scale of, you know, sporting performance or, quality of speaking you might be really far down on the ladder up but you've chosen to do and you want to do is almost an entirely different thing is it not like I d- the stakes are completely different because that i don't think the embarrassment exists in the same way unless you're choosing to do something like demeaning but if the motivation's there it's not really demeaning at all right what about if it's something that what about just the thought of pure you know is it just frustrating or unfulfilling to do something if you're putting time and investment in it and you're not getting any better? I guess golf, golf's probably a really good example, right? Loads of people spend a load of money on golf clubs and then spend 10 hours hacking their way around. They've just watched Tiger Woods win the Masters and then it takes them 40 shots to complete a hole. I imagine it's brutally depressing. <laughs> Like yeah, that, that's you're quite getting, a, but you're getting a lovely walk and spending time with your mates, and it's all right. Sort of thing. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's it. But I, th- I think often with the sporting ones as well, it's like if you keep doing it, you will you will get to some degree better, right? You just it's the nature of a sport, I suppose. Like or the slightly apocryphal ten thousand hours thing. If you put enough into something, you will keep getting better. Like practice makes 
not perfect, but practice definitely makes you better at things. Yeah, but you have to do a certain kind of practice, right? Because at squash now, I played squash for many years. I probably should be better at it considering how much mm. I played it. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a level where I can give most people a good game. But, uh, you know, unless they're like, you know, mm-hmm. expert or whatever. But um, I don't get any better at that now. And I know mm. it's because I'm not, I'm not practicing in that way. I'm playing for fun, but I'm kind of not, I'm not actually getting coached. I'm not learning how to like play better shots and things. And I guess one, but that, I guess that's because I've reached a level where I'm happy that I can do enough and have fun. If I was terrible at squash still, would I keep playing it? I don't think I would. Well, I don't think you would stay terrible, right? Like I'm sure the author, your friend, the surfer, she's, if she could like catch a wave, that's kind of probably the equivalent level of your ability to play squash, right? Like university standard athlete. It's probably not that different. I don't imagine she actually sucks. Like Karen describes herself as being still bad. Like she told me I'm still genuinely, I'm bad at it. And like, I don't know. There was a friend of hers who said she didn't believe her. Mm. And then, and then Karen, I think had a video cause she did, uh, she did a piece, an article on it. And uh, I think it was published in, in like maybe New York or New York Times or something. But um, yeah, and there was a video and like her friend, it showed her wiping out and her friend was like, oh, you do suck at that. You are, you are not very good. But she has like a house in Costa Rica and like goes to Costa Rica to surf and things. So it's kind of like she's built this love of something where she almost loves the struggle in a way. And I'm sure she has gotten better than when she started. I'm sure that that must mm. be the case. But um, I... I think there's, you know, what it, in, what it inspired me to think is, I don't, I think there are some things where doing them and being bad at them is frustrating enough for me that I'm like, you know, I'm not a very handsy person. I'm not good with making stuff, um, particularly. I, I kind of quite cerebral. So, you know, using my hands to make things is where I'm weak. I'm quite like painting, uh, building things, you know, craft things. I'm, but then I, you know, so I, I tend to have always instinctively avoided that stuff since school. I, I just hated art class. Like that was like what everyone wanted to get to. And I just would hate having to paint and make things with clay because I knew like this is going to be embarrassing. I just kind of make something silly because I just thought if I try and do something serious and but good, I, I would just quickly, bad. I would like slightly contest the embarrassing thing, right? Because, but you're not under any pretense that you're a great potter. So... What's no, but at school, if you're bad at a subject, it, you know, if, you're, if your friends are making nice pottery and yours just looks... I appreciate crazy, Okay, I appreciate it. As then it's like, is oh, different. this is embarrassing. And but school is different because there's like a kind of, like a hierarchy that you have to, you know, buy into. But if we're talking about when you're in your 30s, it's just, it, it doesn't matter. I like... I guess maybe embarrassing is not embarrassing is one thing, but I guess also, I guess there's a feeling of futility of being, Mm. you do something, you think, well, I'm not say painting. It's like, well, I'm not good at this. And I don't think I'm ever going to get, I'm not ever going to get particularly good at this. And, but when I actually think about it, something like painting, when I thought about it in relation to Karen's book, I did think about it and I thought maybe I would enjoy if I let go of certain expectations in that thing, maybe I would actually have more fun doing it. If I was painting something and I have no, like you say, there's no sort of utilitarian aspect of like, I'm going to pursue this and get to X level and start. Mm. If I, if I just kind of did it and had fun and made some things, maybe I would actually have a good time. And it's just that I've got some idea that people are going to regard the work and be like, this is what you've been spending hours doing. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, and it does make me think how much do we do that with, with so outcome dependent on in some way or, or how much do we not do? Because we're like, I'm not a great cook. So I'm not going to try that complicated Mm. dish. I'm, I'm, you know, that's not something I'm good at. And you might, you might have a lot of fun doing it, but, um, the living in the moment thing is definitely, definitely, I'm sure, say with painting particularly, there is a real value in it of, I don't know, yeah, being mindful of where you are and what you're looking at and then trying to do it. But I think with with a lot of little, um, like, hobbies or tasks or pursuits, there is kind of like a, 
kind of a minimum threshold you probably have to be able to reach before you get some enjoyment from it right like i i cannot for the life of me play an instrument and it's a grueling grueling experience for me to hold a guitar and like try and play a chord i get no enjoyment from it i love music as much as anyone in the world um but it's it's brutal i'd need to be at a certain level there's no way i could keep doing it at the level i'm doing and gain any sense of enjoyment i could become a bad guitarist but i'd still need to be better than i am to gain something from it right so since my teens i've played guitar and like self-taught taught by friends and like i know the thing is i've reached an amateurish level right Mm. but i've actually gotten a great deal of joy out of that even though i know i have a kind of level cap where i Mm. i don't have enough natural musicianship to get past being sort of you know, if I worked incredibly hard, I would get to like decent ish, but I'm not, I'm frankly not willing to work that hard because I don't have the natural talent. And, uh, but, but that, that may be a good example of where I've done something for years that no one would say I'm a good guitarist, but Mm -hmm. I've been able to do enough to, you know, I played with friends. Um, I helped back someone in like a little band we did for a school party I kind of I've been able to kind of string along to play some songs and I can sing them and those things have all been very very enjoyable and I guess that uh, that might qualify but you might be right there might be a level at which there might be a level like relatively I suck at guitar mm. yeah, relative yeah. to well, yeah. anyone who but plays there, but there's also there's no but I don't think anyone you'd ever be embarrassed by your performance as a guitarist right because no one expects you to be Eric Clapton no, but if I was in a crowd where people could play and they're like, play one, Steve, then I'd be like, oh dear, I'm going to be exposed. But you sort of preface it with, but I'm kind of self-taught and a bit rubbish and I just do it because it's fun. So what, <laughs> do you know what I mean though? It's sort of like if Eric Clapton came and played and then played a load of Duff Notes yeah, when he was trying to nail it, that might be slightly embarrassing, but you also know, oh, well, he did record all those great songs, so we'll give him a pass. And conversely, yeah. you kind of get a pass because... If you said, no, no, guys, I am excellent. I reckon I'm better than him. And then you make a real boob of yourself. That's embarrassing. But I think it's the kind of the hubris and the, and like the dissonance between what you think you can do and do that causes any sense of like embarrassment or failure. If you're just completely mindful of, I do enjoy this, but I'm not great at it, then I don't see what the damage is. Yeah, well... Look at my big ego. Look at how worried I am, George, about getting embarrassed <laughs> and things. You're all Mr. Like, whatever. I, I, that's not to say, I, like, embarrassment definitely is a factor, but I think it's it would be when you're maybe having to do something that you've not chosen to do, but you still have to deliver. Like, public speaking is a good example if it's not something you've chosen to do, but you don't want to let someone down. Of, of course, you know, that can be a stressful thing or a difficult thing to deal with, but it's, if, it's when you've kind of chosen to do something and you're mindful of the level you're at i don't yeah yeah unless you've got these like grand designs i don't see why that that should ever be too upsetting really and you're probably probably always like pleasantly surprise yourself yeah it's um i think i think there's a kind of um what would you call them like almost like benefits benefits for your soul or something about just holding your breath and doing something you you know, instead of running away every time you could be embarrassed, kind of not being, not being so attached to that feeling, like, like, like the speaking thing, it's like, okay, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I will speak for two minutes because maybe it'll be fun and it'll be all right, even if it's a bit stumbling and embarrassing. Like you, you tend to go away having grown a bit in character when you embrace that weakness and vulnerability a bit and don't, you know, I think if you shirk from it, you don't learn lots of things and you kind of, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, I think it's a bad habit, to, a bad mental habit to always run away from potential. De- definitely. But I, th- I think there is just a slight distinction, right? With those things where you've been asked to do something and you kind of have to step up. That is different to just persevering with something that you're not a superstar at that you do through choice. They yeah. are like, they are different things, but there's, there's certainly a, it's just that embarrassment is kind of a through line through both. But I think you can. there's no need to be embarrassed if you've chosen to do something and you're mindful of where you're at. 
And yeah. if you give something a go and do it with the right motivations, if someone's like you played that rugby for the wrong reasons, or you, you know, you weren't able to say no because of your sort of status and things. But if, if it was a friend who'd asked you and you were doing it to help them out, again, there's no like cause for embarrassment because yeah. you're doing it for a different reason than I want to show this. I'm the world's best rugby player. Well, the rugby thing is I regret because it brought me no joy. Mm. I think that's probably... <laughs> it probably didn't bring him, the teacher or the team, any joy either, right? No, when you, no, no, definitely not. And when you've got, you know, competitive young boys anyway and a culture of ribbing each other <laughs> and you're all pretty much the worst objectively on the team, yeah. it's just like, oh, God, I don't want to... It's just it, dread, that it dread. I've got to do this. And, uh, yeah, what? but that was... Um, I don't know why I stuck things like that out when I was younger. Um, so but... I have, I have a, a personal example of something that I was, I was conscious that I was diabolical at this thing and then just stuck with it for a while and got to a level that, you know, I think I'm not bad at. And... Well, I keep your personal life out of it, but I mean, <laughs> um, Steve, this, keep, it, keep it clean, mate. Keep it clean. I'm talking about my foray into the world of baking, um, which for me was, something that I'd kind of thought a couple of times. I've been, I've been watching maybe a TV show or something. Someone was baking on TV and I was just really conscious of the fact that like, oh, this is something I'd be diabolical at. And like, it does not suit what I'm used to. I've never, never cooked anything in my life, blah, blah, blah. And I found a recipe for bizarrely as a British person, pumpkin pie and <laughs> just followed the recipe like very exactly. And it turned out fine. And that was just sort of really good positive reinforcement. And then I just kept trying more stuff and like got to the point where I'm like, more, like a moderately good amateur baker. Um, yeah. You're, you're known as a man who can turn his hand to a cake in our social circle. That's one of the strings to your bow, dare I say. Well, yeah, but it's something that before I did it, no one would ever associate me with, or I would ever have thought I could do. Um, and it's I think you introduced me to the wonders of a tres leche, <laughs> one of my favourite cakes these days. Oh yeah, I think I made that for your, possibly made that for your birthday actually. Um, um, but yeah, that's that's, say so that like yeah. it, there's plenty of things that you think I'll be rubbish at that, and if you just give it a go and try it a few times and do it properly, you'll elevate yourself to a level that's absolutely not embarrassingly bad. Yeah, well that's right. It's the fear of in some ways it's the fear of sucking at something's worse than anything else and yeah if it stopped you doing that right you you have got a lot of joy out of that baking hobby right you yeah. you you've had a lot of fun doing it you've made a lot of different things kind of stretch your creativity and you know things you can turn your hand to so there's a lot of value there and uh yeah i um oh by the way while it's on my mind my my dad at our recent retreat uh the Matthew Hussey retreat I did with my brother, um, we invited Karen to come and speak to the women uh, about the concept of sucking at something and other things, but she came and talked about it. And my dad got up on stage afterwards and told this story that was bizarre, a personal story, that, <laughs> um, that uh, he had... So he had been uh, having heard... I think he was inspired by... Karen talking about the idea or something like that before the book came out. And, um, oh, you know, it was, he saw one of our, one of our coaches who's a really good singer. He saw him singing and playing and instrument stuff. And, and my dad thought like, sing it, that singing looks so much fun. Like that looks so much fun singing on stage. I'm gonna go and get singing lessons. And so my dad for about honestly like a year and a half, was getting secret singing lessons. Fairly recently. Yeah, that none of us knew about. Great. And he was going off and doing it on like a Sunday or Saturday or whatever and doing like secret singing lessons mm. in like our local town. And he was having a tutor and then they invited him to like, not, he's, my dad is not a good singer. Okay, I'll put that out <laughs> first. The concept of sucking at something, my dad is not a good singer. Um, my mum is slightly worse, but that's a whole different story. But my my dad, uh, 
you know, was learning and they said, Oh, do you want to come sing at the church thing? And so my dad was on the bill to sing at a church service and stuff, all like completely unbeknownst to us. I'm just listening to the story. Like what the hell are you talking about? And, uh, and, and he, so this his big reveal of having, his big reveal. And we're all just like looking perplexed as he's saying this on stage in front of 200 women. And, uh, he like did a big, um, uh yeah so in his head though in my dad's sort of head and this is where his sort of ego comes in he wasn't thinking i'll be rubbish at singing but do it anyway in his head it's like if i do lessons i'm gonna get brilliant yeah i'm gonna be really good and i'm gonna shock them all and so he had like had this idea that he was gonna make for my mum an album of him doing covers oh wow and covers of like classics and things she loves and like certain songs and things and uh you know he worked with like went to a little studio work with them they sort of let him do the takes again and again sort of get the pitch right and sort of worked with him to cut this album together and he actually got a whole album together can, and again can i get my hands on it <laughs> yeah i have i've not heard a track from it yet so um but he so then he had this idea that he was going to play it for my mum without her knowing that it was him. Oh, and she'd go, oh, this is great. Who's yeah, this? So think of the hubris of this. And oh, his wow. thing was like, she's going to love it. It's going to be really romantic. It's gonna, she's going to absolutely like, she's going to be like, oh, what is this? And uh, she's going to hear my voice and realise it's me. And he, I, I think they were somewhere at dinner and he play, he had it playing through the speakers. And it was like, my mum just... Well, in, a, in a restaurant he'd gotten to I, I think it was somewhere they had gone or something he arranged. I, I don't know. Okay. But he had gone. He, he had the song playing in the background and my mum heard it. <laughs> and she went, what the F is this? <laughs> and she went, what the hell is this version of the song? She was like, this sounds awful like she's this chump butchering she was like what is this version like put the original one she was like what is this and uh and my dad was obviously like so embarrassed that he he went oh yeah you're right what is that and it over and didn't tell her until this moment on stage about eight months later he didn't say it fess up but like i put it on because he his ego was like i'm gonna play it it's gonna be brilliant Oh. And he still obviously did suck at something, which kind of validates Karen's thing. But, um, you know, he was like, oh, I love doing them lessons and I really enjoyed it all. But that's the question, the question for, like, the sort of thesis of this podcast is, is he still having singing lessons? Well, he now, so he on stage at this moment said, because my mum was like, literally, she was like, I don't even remember the incident you're talking about, about the whole, re- like, restaurant thing or whatever. She was like, I don't even remember that happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was like, you know, he was basically re-inspired by Karen's talk to be like, I want to go back to the singing lessons. Cause I was right. actually enjoying, I was actually getting better. Like I was enjoying it. I was getting a little bit, you know, he had obviously, you don't get, you don't get no better. He got a bit better, mm. but, um, obviously not good enough to impress my mum in an album. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was like, it was just such a bizarre uh moment but yeah for the for the thesis i guess the thing is he he was still attaching like he was actually enjoying the process but he was obviously attaching this idea of i'm gonna do it and then there's gonna be this moment where i'm gonna like absolutely blow everyone away and obviously that's where it then becomes something that you've invested this emotional stakes in it that becomes a fail or win thing and and you know there's certain areas of life where obviously that is the case and it's, if it's our career or something super important that you think about your natural strengths where they lie and many people i think mistakenly in their career don't bet on their natural strengths enough and they do things that you know they often getting sidetracked by things they're weaker at and not really just doubling down on the things they are strong at so i think in in a career knowing your strengths really well is super important but i think in terms of you know, sort of enjoying the full spectrum of things you might take pleasure and meaning in, it probably, it's probably limited me too much to obsess over that, where I could probably relax that 
and actually I would enjoy more things if I didn't, if I didn't always have a kind of, I don't, I don't live with a highly utilitarian mindset about everything, but I definitely get very uncomfortable if I think uh, I'm rubbish at this, I'll just stop. And mm. I would probably enjoy certain things more if I let go of that. If I was like, I'm just going to make art and have fun and kind of enjoy that and not, not really worry about it. But you are that thing you said earlier on about, there is definitely like a, an overlap between how good you are. That point of when something becomes enjoyable, you know, I don't think you would ever get the kind of free form buzz of being in the outdoors painting on plein right. air kind of thing that yeah. Monet got. You know, no. you're never you're never going to have that because you just can't quite do. I don't know if you're like really bad at driving a car. If you can just about do it, it it serves a function, yeah. but you're never going to get a buzz from it. It's like really jerky and clunky. So that there is a kind of buying point, and I think her example of surfing is almost like a slightly not a false example, but you're still, you know, you're in like a beautiful environment. There might be like an amazing sunset. You could fall off the surfboard and it'd be awful, but you're still on like an, an amazing beach in Hawaii. Like it's hard not to enjoy. Well, yeah, but then I did try it in Australia and I had a, my first run with a friend was like pretty, I mean, you're getting seawater in your face, you're exhausted. Of course, and, but that's... And you're, and you're depressed because you can't catch a wave. It's It can be a pretty grueling but that's it but you've said she can catch a wave right so she's she's at the level where she can kind of not get salt water up her nose and sort of enjoy the process a bit more um so you know i something that also sprang to mind then we've we've, you know lord knows we've harked on about it enough that you and i did that did that marathon a couple of years ago no talk about it more mate let's (laughs) really get get the mileage well yeah get the full 26 miles out of it but I'm like a diabolical runner. I didn't enjoy anything about it. I don't know if I made that clear to you at the time or since. Um, <laughs> but like, it was literally just do it enough to finish it, right? There wasn't any, oh, I'm going to break the two-hour marathon. You know, I was yeah, under yeah. no delusion of the success in itself was completing it. So there's certainly, I think... And you don't look back on that with like, you don't look back on that as misspent time, do you? No, only, only maybe like on a personal level, I had a bit of an injury and could have done a little bit better without that. But even yeah, but you wouldn't go, that, you wouldn't say, oh, if I go back, I wouldn't do that marathon that was no, hard. no, no. I'm yeah, each individual training when you think, oh, this is you know a bit of a pain in the ass. But no, completely, it it builds up to something. But there is definitely a trend for um, lots of people you see doing those. Uh, what people do like lots of triathlons or those kind of like the mud runs or the obstacle course runs where I don't think it's particularly enjoyable in of itself, but the sense of achievement for having done it is the kind of payoff to then go through that process again. So that's, that's slightly different to, I love playing tennis, but I can't even get the ball over the net because I don't think you could ever love tennis if you couldn't get the ball over the net, you know, it's either you're kind of going through these really bad experiences to reach an end goal and look back and say, wow, I overcame that. Or you kind of do need to reach a sort of minimum standard or it, it just would never be fun. Right. There's like a, th- yeah, there's like a threshold of competency to at least, to at least take the pleasure in what the activity is. Yeah. And then I think if you're aware of your place in the grand scheme of things, like I'm well aware that I'm not a great footballer, but relative so the people I play with, I can have a good time. Relative to me, you're a great footballer. <laughs> sure, that's setting the bar rather low. <laughs> um, but you, you know what I mean? I think relativity kind of comes into this quite a lot. Like right. you can just sort of position yourself within, if I was going, oh, I hate playing football because I'm never going to get signed for Liverpool. Well, what's the point? But I know that's never going to happen. Well, you know, fingers crossed, but confident that's never going to happen so i think i think there are just a few little bits at play here with this you know concept i i just don't see people like really like sort of self-flagellating over something that is awful and they don't enjoy there has they have to be gaining something from it yeah i see what you mean um yeah well that's why i think it's intriguing because i think where's the there's definitely some, there's definitely something in the in the whole thesis I think because I I do think that people you know we do a lot out of ego and we avoid a lot out of fear of embarrassment and humiliation that we would probably yeah if we let go killed our ego a bit more we'd probably have more fun and 
learn more and you know just experiment more try more things and uh by i agree with you there's in terms of what the the human mind the kind of the kind of disappointment the human mind can handle there's a point where you'd be like i'm not even enjoying this because i'm so incompetent at it but uh, yeah but yeah i think i there's something for those things where you assuming we're, t- we're talking about like elective hobby kind of things right yeah i guess so i guess it can be so i don't think even if, if you applied it to a job if you're just brutally bad or incompetent you're not going to keep the job long enough you know to have to persevere, yeah, yeah. persevere with it if you're actually yeah. truly bad at something yeah that's right um but yeah a lot of a lot of good has come definitely from me just just doing things that because i guess the thing is sometimes you'll do something you suck at and you'll actually you'll actually eventually experience going up the curve of competency and you'll go like oh actually this i i was a bit rubbish at boxing and what not very coordinated at first or yoga like i i did yoga the other day in la right like i'm extremely unflexible like i'm i'm hardy i have strength i have stamina but i don't have flexibility and balance and uh but doing that yoga like kind of in a sucky sort of way compared to anyone who really does it but there was like this is giving me physical benefits and kind of the process itself is actually it's enjoyable just to do it that's really that's quite a funny example that i uh, i kind of came down on the other side of the fence with yoga <laughs> because, oh really yeah um well so like uh, Elizabeth, my girlfriend, does like lots of Pilates, and she started doing quite a lot of yoga stuff. Like, sort of very athletic, very suited to this kind of thing. Not me. And uh, she sort of rustled up a list of like these YouTube y- yoga programs that I'd be able to follow, and it was it was almost insulting how far away from being able to do these things I was. So she then brought in like yoga for the elderly, and it was you know it was like sit down on a chair, like lean forwards, and it was like I wasn't even getting anything from that. Like I am, yeah, crippled with inflexibility, and I just can't. I can't bring myself, even though I know it would have payoff for me. I can't bring myself to go through it because I'm so far away from the the demonstrated exercise that I just think, well, it's going to take me about three years to get to the point where I can, you know, kneel cross my legs. So that's, that's something that it's kind of put, put me off because I I can't even reach the kind of buy-in state and everything to get to that level of kind of acceptable competence is not enjoyable for me. So I just, you are at the, where I am on the football level, you are on the yoga, yoga level. (laughs) That's probably right. You're less flexible than I am. And obviously the the spiritual side of things doesn't quite resonate with me. I, (laughs) you hear me watching a yoga video where it's like, you know, Oh, we're sort of, Oh, this, this woman that was taking it said something along the lines of like, you know, all of your billions of cells are like gloriously alive. And I was just going, Oh, you know, I was <laughs> so I was like shouting at her, and it's not quite it's not quite the transcendent transcendental experience it should have been. No, I, I tried once to guide George for a meditation in <laughs> in our be- in a bedroom in Oxford. Those friends to that, and it was it was just hor- horrendous. It was like watching. It was like trying to get a robot to emotion <laughs> to tap into his emotions and relax. Yeah, he's uh, like completely stiff. Uh, no relaxation at all. No, and I, I don't think I've ever relaxed before. Sort of giving some smug, smug retort to everything I said <laughs> in the meditation. It was, yeah, uh, yeah but, it was. Bad. I think what we're saying here that there is also a really big difference between trying something you've never done before that you will inevitably not be good at the first time. You should try as many different things as possible. There's what. Sh- what the author's talking about here is like something you know that you've done for years and are bad at and keep doing for enjoyment's sake, right? I would always say to people, try new things or give different things a go because right. you, you may well be good at them or you may just get that buzz from them. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a difference between I'm not going to stand up and do that for the first time in front of people because I might be bad. I think that's where you can definitely find that freeing sense of well i've never done it before and i will be bad so there's nothing to be embarrassed about and then you can only get better yeah yeah it's um yeah it's definitely an interesting one i think the yoga one's really interesting because i again i have that feeling with yoga where i'm not 
I'm not going to become a live, flexible, you know, yogic kind of person, but I feel there's some, you know, like working on your weakest link. Sometimes I feel like just strengthening my, like if I look at my, you know, as I've said before, I've been on this whole weight loss fitness thing and there's certain things where I now feel very comfortable in my, my cardio athletic sort of ability, certain strength I feel happy with. And then if I, but then in some ways you're as good as your weakest link. And I look at, okay, flexibility is where I'm definitely the weakest. And even just bringing that up from like a, a two out of 10 to a four or something or a five will give me certain, give me certain other benefit, even though I will relatively suck at yoga there's something to just getting your weakest link a bit stronger. Um, that, again, that's, I, and I agree with that completely. And like, are you think that's still two ends focus on like, well, yeah, a little bit. It's not, it's just not quite the same thing. Is it like a lot of, um, sport. Yeah, but I would suck at yoga still. I would still be like, sorry, no, I, what I mean is, um, you're talking about something that's like for a functional developmental benefit right. rather than I like playing cricket, but I'm terrible at it just for a buzz. Right. Getting better at yoga will have like a functional kind of utilitarian outcome for you. We're kind of coming up to an interesting philosophical distinction here, George, dare I say. Um, you know, the doing ends in itself or something for a means. And is there, there's a thing in philosophy called intrinsic value versus instrumental. And instrumental value is doing something for a result, um, you know, because it brings pleasure, because it does X. And there's certain ideas like morality, you do something because it's intrinsically good, but there's, there's, there becomes this question of like, is anything intrinsically good if you don't point to its benefits? Like, is doing something you suck at, has it got to have something you're talking about? What's the payoff? You're not just doing it for its own sake. Like, in, is it an intrinsic good to do something you'll suck at? I don't know. Maybe that's the benefit to your... I mean, I'm getting in a philosophical cul-de-sac, but you get my point. Um, yeah, it's just, can you, can you say it's good to suck at something without pointing to some kind of payoff or benefit to it? I guess what Karen Rinaldi is talking about is some kind of, um, some kind of emotional or freedom benefit. She, she doesn't mean it's good to be bad at something. No, Stop, no, no. She? That's just, that's, you know, that's no, title writing. She, she just has means- things for your, you know, for your well-being, for your freedom, for your not having to be so bound it's, up. It's like lighten up a bit is kind of the <laughs> right. message, right? Really. It's not it's not inherently good to be bad at something. That's definitely right. the case. It's just uh, you can enjoy things that you don't excel at and you shouldn't be ashamed at, at those shortcomings if you're gaining something from it. Yeah. Having, not, having not read the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what time are we coming up to, George? I'm wary of time. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, so we're, <laughs> something, something we're not great at, but we may be extraordinary podcasters, but timekeepers, we're not. Uh, what, what time did you say? Uh, I don't even know how to check, Steve, so I'm just going to ballpark it about 50 minutes. Uh, great stuff. Um, well, um, have we... Have we, have we run that topic out i'm trying to think i think we've run that thing into the ground yeah (laughs) um well look um i'll give karen's book one more plug because i think it will you know hopefully this this episode has inspired you to think about something you've wanted to do or neglected to do that maybe you should just give a try and why not have a have a crack at it you don't have to be brilliant um give yourself the freedom to mess up a bit um karen rinaldi's book is it's great to suck at something at all good bookstores and amazon and all that um i'm not getting paid by anyone to plug that so don't think we're doing some big old chill episode um i just thought it was an interesting concept and uh enjoyed the book so um yeah but uh tell us what you do that you suck at or something you would like to try that you're afraid you might suck at um and there's a whole, uh, there's a whole um, almost a separate topic there i think of go on things that well slightly it is it is a different thing of what things are you kind of keen to try but are worried about being bad at is it is just so different right to i keep 
playing football and don't get much better, but I still enjoy it. Right. What, I mean, are there, have you got a long list of things that you're keen to try but are sort of scared to do? I'm keen to te- keep doing yoga, even though I'm bad at it. That's mm-hmm. probably my suck at something thing. Um, something I want to get, something I want to try, but I, I know I'm currently not great at it is we talked about before is I want to cook more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, by that, I think I can get good at if I work at it, but I know right now I'm afraid that I'm going to mess up a lot. And it's like just kind of getting over the idea of, Oh, I'm going to have to be a bit crap for a while. Yeah. That one, that one just comes with a sort of a first uh, early outlay on a load of things that you need to then go, Oh God, I destroyed whatever I tried to make. That was a waste of however much you spent on all the ingredients. <laughs> yeah. And then you have yeah. to get kind of get back on the horse again, but you just follow, follow the recipe. Like, meticulously it it won't go wrong yeah i can like i can make myself meals that are basic and that but i'd like want to get more to a level where i can actually cook something that would impress someone that would be but again that's i think like you i enjoyed the baking we've sort of hijacked the end of the episode with just another tangent here but i enjoyed the baking because of the payoff of i made this thing and i can share it with people maybe not necessarily the process itself the most engaging or enjoyable thing but having that outcome is rewarding a bit like doing the marathon maybe and i think cooking is probably slightly different than surfing because surfing i guess is about that the moment like when she stands up and she catches a wave and just it all clicks together Mm -hmm. cooking i don't think is like that really it's i put these pieces together and this was the outcome and can't we all enjoy it together yeah yeah Um, uh well cooking and do a song at karaoke. You know, no one cares. Just do this. People are, people are sat there worrying about when they have to do their song. They're not listening to you. Yeah. Um, that's the one that most people suck at that you should just do. Um, yeah. So um, thanks for joining us. Uh, we got a bundle more of episode ideas coming up. So We're uh, going to be in the same place rather soon, aren't we, as well? So. We are, so we should, you know, that should be a special moment when we're actually doing a podcast from the same room. Um, maybe we'll, I don't know, find some way of making that a moment. Uh, but uh, a very exciting from our perspective, maybe not that different. From <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, most, some people are just sitting going like, I just assumed you were in the same room anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so thanks, buddy. Um, I'll be home soon coming to you lovely and uh yeah catch up soon cheers guys thank you bye 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 bye